0: Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show we talk about the revised Ranger that's coming out this month, or the Ranger Errata, I should say, as well as building encounters to your players' weaknesses as opposed to their strengths. hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to the saturday morning D&D show my name is jordan with a silent ph in the middle and i am joined always by my wonderful co-host sir lucian over there at sir lucian gaming say hello sir
1: hello everybody hoping uh we're gonna have a good morning trying to fix all those weird internet problems stick with us yeah so
0: (laughs) we're trying to figure out lucian's connection his connection is excellent but uh, he's getting hiccups or something. So uh, you can also try and catch us on YouTube. I'm streaming, we're trying out an experiment today to try and grow the channel. So we're also streaming on YouTube um, and then I'm streaming it there. And usually I'm the one that has the problems. So it's kind of like, I'm not sure what exactly is going on. Um, Also, I've got a terrible cold. I say terrible, I'm actually, I'm functioning quite well, but like I am so tired and out of it. So if I space out today, I apologize. Uh, yes, so this is the Saturday Morning D&D Show where we talk about all things Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games in general, um, the goal of which is to talk about our own games and hopefully figure out what it is we did wrong, what what we can improve upon as Dungeon Masters, and uh, it's just kind of a, a, a thought experiment, if you will, on, on how to become a better Dungeon Master overall. So, um, yeah. So thank you guys for chatting with us and coming out and watching us live. We got um, quite a few people at YouTube, more than I thought we would. So uh, thank you guys for coming out. Hello, YouTubers. Hello, YouTubers and Twitchers. Twitchers. It's so awesome. Now I've got two chats to watch and (laughs) Lucian's face, so it doesn't look like I'm uh, going back and forth. So this is... This'll be interesting and fun. (laughs) Yeah, we always I
1: always worried about like when um when Jordan's talking, I'm trying to keep an eye on the stream, so it sometimes feels like I'm not listening to him. But I'm listening, but I'm trying to watch all the things that are going on in the background. But it yeah, so you get conscious about oh wait, I'm not looking at the camera enough. I'm not looking (laughs) (laughs) at Too funny. But yeah. And another thing we do with the show is typically we like to go over whatever news we could scrape up or scrounge around on the internet or things that just kind of popped up to us about mm-hmm. that were D&D-related to bring to you guys just in case you had missed them. Um, and that's usually where we start the top of the show off, and it was pretty big kind of thing that's been starting to make its way around. You can see it on Twitter a little bit. You can see some of the announcements coming. But we, we finally saw something about the revised Ranger and then, like, the errata that's coming with the new printing of the new books right. because not only are they bringing out the new books but they're also doing the new covers and they're making all the corrections that they need to make so this was the time they were going to go back in and everybody had been speculating are they going to change the ranger at this point and we've got a definitive at this point if you watch the dragon plus um show live on twitch or they put it on youtube after that Jeremy has talked about it at the very end of that video. They talk about that they are making two significant changes, but they are errata changes. They are what they consider corrections, not redesigns. And he kind of talks about that a little bit. That um, they're not going to use errata as a way to to do new design right. or bring in or introduce new design. Uh, errata is only ever for a correction for a mistake. And so he lists it as being the mistake that they're correcting. So that's like an admission (laughs) that, you know, they felt like there was a mistake or there was a misinterpretation of the rules that was portrayed by the way they wrote it. And it wasn't their intention for it to be that way. And now they're making that correction.
0: Well, how many, uh, like, surveys have they done since DD has come out and how many times have people said like the Beastmaster Ranger is like the weakest class possible. Um and there are just little things. So it is interesting because we always talk about the revised ranger. This isn't really a revised ranger. This is an errata ranger. Like they're just they're fixing things. The ranger is going to be the same. Like the Beastmaster Ranger core will be the same, but they're gonna fix those different little aspects of it. And one of them being um I think giving the pet magic attacks. So they, in the article I read, and I watched the video as well, but in the article I read, they talked about the monk having the ability to put key into his fist to make his fist magical um, attacks, which bypasses a lot of resistances and things like that. Um, They want to do the same with the beastmaster pet. So the pet will have magical attacks at a certain level, which then will bypass the resistances that a lot of monsters have.
1: Yeah, they were saying it was the only class that he went back and found that didn't have a pathway to getting a, an attack that counts as magical. And as you get higher in level, more and more of those creatures require you to have a weapon that isn't just a slashing, bludgeoning, you know, piercing weapon. It has to be something that counts as magical or, or it's immune. And there's so many of that stuff later on in the levels that all of the classes had pathways to get to something like that. But ranger was the only one that didn't have an open pathway especially the Beastmaster ranger so they put in a like you said a pathway for eventually it doesn't start off that way but it does get to a point Mm -hmm. where they get a feature that the pet that you have with you the attacks it makes will count as magic so that it stays in line with every other other class that has that ability the second thing they talked about was um the way they had wrote the if you don't give your um, companion or your pet a command, it kind of did nothing, right? So mm-hmm. you were gonna do all these things, and you didn't give it a command, it just didn't do anything at that point. And then, but then it would further read if you get incapacitated, then the creature would act normally, like yeah. So you're not giving it commands then, and it acts normally, but you're alive and you're doing stuff, and then it's just a you know a wooden figure next to you. And they felt like that was not the intention of the original rules. And so what they did is, is they changed, they made a little tweak and they said, if you've not given your pet a command, it automatically takes the dodge action. So it automatically tries to defend itself enough that it's getting disadvantages on attack. So it's a little bump. It's a little change. I don't know if it's the change that everybody wants or Mm -hmm. thinks that the Beastmaster needs to become a more powerful class, but it definitely shores up the two, starting problems with Beastmaster, which were those two two areas that were definitely keeping it lacking. But I don't think it really addressed the pet not leveling or scaling throughout the 1 to 20 leveling that I think is what most people were trying to point out is that this creature doesn't scale. It's, it's a bear when it starts. It's a bear when it ends. And we're at level 20. How is that going to really work? You well,
0: know? so, and I'm going to let's talk about that so it does scale because you add your proficiency to its attacks and damage rolls um and its hp is five times your ranger level i think um or four times your ranger level something like that so if you have a bear that has an hp of 12 but you're a level five ranger it's now actually has an hp of 20 which is not a lot compared to your level five ranger that probably has hp of in the 40s at that point maybe yeah um maybe even 50s yeah because they're like a d10 for for uh, depending on your your constitution modifier um but I think giving the pet the dodge action if you don't do anything with it is good because advantage and disadvantage is a plus five um is a plus five like I think somebody did the math once where if you have advantage you're technically giving them a plus five to the roll. excuse me and i've got this cough because i'm sick it's awful Mm -hmm. um but uh so if your pet takes the dodge action you're essentially giving it a plus five to its ac almost which is pretty good so for the lack of hp that they have they do pretty well with the um with the ac yeah the ac part now that doesn't coincide with the problems that we originally had with the beastmaster ranger where uh an enemy casts a fireball and all of a sudden your pet is is dead instantly and then not only is your pet dead but you have to like there's no reviving that pet like you have to go out and find a new beast and tame it and and although that might be narratively really cool um I think the beastmaster rangers you also get really attached to your pet and so I was really I liked the revised Ranger that they released where the pet was kind of like a, uh, what's the word, like a spirit, and that after it did die, you could like commune for eight hours and and make that spirit come back to you to help you fight again. Um, I like that aspect. And so if there was a way where you could be like, no, if my pet gets knocked out, he's not dead, I just have to spend either my hit dice to bring it back at the, like during a a short or long rest, or spend its hit dice to bring it back. I wish there was a mechanic like that. And who knows, there might be- well there is go ahead.
1: Well, sort of it's called fine steed for the paladin because well, the paladin yeah. <laughs> has the exact same thing that brings a pet that can attack and do things and can do whatever can be killed and then resummoned. Just like so in in a way the ranger needed the same mechanic the paladin had with the fine. Steed. Or even like when you're summoning um creatures as a druid, there's also the conjure animals um spell, right? So that you can mm-hmm. Bring up one eight two hit dice creature, you can bring up two one hit dice creatures, or you can bring up like eight quarter hit dice creature, whatever it might be. That's the same kind of mechanic, too. Where I think um, they could have used something like that for the Beastmaster pet, because I absolutely agree with you that the Beastmaster Ranger is somebody who gets attached to that companion and needs a way to be able to save that vulnerable companion for when that very evil dm that's out there decides to target it because you keep using it for the help action or whatever it might be just like they do with the uh the the wizards uh familiars or (laughs) you know they're always trying to you know as a dm we're always trying to target those things those sneaky players are trying to use to get some advantages on our combats but um and and it crushes them when you do that like you can see it in their eyes when you say all right, well, creature number four targets your familiar creature number four targets your pet. And then all of a sudden you can see like this wall between you and that player because now it's you against them. Because yeah. You chose to target that thing. And why didn't you target me? You know, target me. I'm the player. Why are you going after my my creature or my yeah.
0: pet? <laughs> yeah, it's it, and like I said, uh, my my wife plays the Beastmaster Ranger with her fake Corgi, and she's made it very clear that I can kill her character, but I cannot kill that dog. Like that yeah. dog must survive through the whole encounter. You can
1: kill the whole party. Yeah. I will
0: sacrifice all of it, them. Yep, that's 100 <laughs> percent. That but that dog must survive because we do not we do not do that to our
1: puppies. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> no, it's yeah. Funny. we had
1: that that happened in uh, um, our Tomb of Annihilation game at some point there was a we we came around a campsite and there was a group a pack of wild dogs mm-hmm. and i'm the barbarian and i'm always the guy running in and jumping in the fight and they're like okay you see this pack of dogs let's roll initiative okay i win initiative they're like Racky, what do you do and i'm like i just stand there and they're like what are you doing and i'm like they're just dogs we're not what what's wrong what, why aren't you attacking i'm like i'm not attacking dogs so <laughs> It's not happening. I didn't do it at all. So the, like our our other character went and did took care of the dogs. I'm just like, oh, I mean, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's
0: funny. So uh, I don't know if I can announce this yet, but I'm going to announce it anyway. So I'm going to be on an extra life stream uh, next weekend, I think.
1: Was uh, he in chat? Sometimes most of the time he's in chat. Uh,
0: I don't, gonna, don't know if I he is. I don't see him. Yeah, yeah no, so but I'm gonna be on an extra live stream, um, and they were like, "What do you want to play?" And so I'm gonna play a Beastmaster Ranger, um, and we'll see. Maybe I'll talk to him and say, "Hey, can we try out this new errata stuff?" But I've always wanted to play a uh, Yuwante um, Ranger with a snake companion, and so you're just wow. kind of like double snakes, and then the Yuwante can can talk to snakes, so you can talk to your familiar and things like that. So uh, that's that's my goal. Um, is I'm gonna try it out and play this Yuanti Ranger for an extra life campaign. I'll probably get unlucky and be the guy that's streaming at like two in the morning because it's one of those 24-hour events. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'll throw it up on um on my channel at some point. Well, so you guys I hope can you see. go
1: full Yuanti. We had one one player that's picked that so far in a campaign I ran, and she nailed the accent with emphasizing the s's and everything (laughs) (laughs) so i hope you hammer down the uh the u on t voice and the u on t uh accent that you give it and then just the just the fact that you just said in this stream which makes it the best stream so far our best episode ever 42 is that you said double snakes I'm going to have double snakes in that game. I just think that's as funny as that. That's awesome. (laughs) Um,
0: uh, The chaotic magnet on YouTube actually had an interesting thing. Uh, Dodge also gives you advantage on deck saves. So that fireball could give him, you could have advantage on deck saves for your, your pet snake.
1: Yeah. And I think that's big. I think that's a big, that's a good change. It's a way to start leveling the playing field. I don't know if that stops all of the surveys that go out and they say, okay, Beastmaster's fixed. Let's move on to whatever the next class right. is. But it's a, it's a step in the right direction for sure. Like it's an yeah. obvious positive step the right way.
0: No, I, I, I hope that, well, they're going to do this, so it's cool. Like that's awesome. Go ahead and do this. But my hope is that they will actually revise the Beastmaster Ranger in whole. And, and release it as like a free supplement to be like, here's another path that you could take to play Beastmaster Ranger if you want. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they're in line, but they don't, I don't know, is it a pride thing? They don't want to really admit that they're wrong or do they just want to make it uh, fit within the current game dynamics? It's probably a little bit of both maybe, like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think... Um you know, they might not see it as, I don't, it's not broken in the way that it's unplayable, Mm-mm. I guess is the thing. And so when they get feedback that says it's broken and that's so loud, that's not necessarily true. I'm not on the side of those people, but for the people that are saying it definitely feels less than some of the other ones, but we kind of had this talk with champion and right. I mean, you were pretty adamant. Your player liked playing champion. They liked the way it is. You think it's fine. And I felt like, to me, it was like, I'm, I'm, raising the pitch for it because i think it's not great so maybe they have that same view of the ranger in that instance they're kind of like on your side of that no it's pretty good there's players out there that will enjoy it mm-hmm. sure it's not you know we're, we're not rating them on most powerful and least powerful but it's a viable character to play and it can be fun so maybe that's kind of the route they're coming down and not every character is going to be mega powerful from the min maxer you know standpoint
0: yeah no, for sure. Uh, I just I don't know. I guess it's because like my wife plays the Beastmaster Ranger, and I like pet. I like classes that have pets. Like if I ever play a wizard, I try to get the Find Familiar feet or feet spell. Um, but
1: yeah, I have a soft spot in my heart for it, so I hope that it it uh, ho- grows up. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that the next major type of class they release is not just subclass of something else, but major class would be a definitive pet class that has subclasses and they're basically divided up on different types of pets that you could have. So you could have like maybe someone who summons demons to fight for them, or you Mm -hmm. might have somebody who summons ghosts or somebody who uses spirit guardians and things like that, or somebody who uses totems and somebody who uses, you know, all these different things that you could consider to be some type of pet interaction could be great for an overall class that is named in some way, you know, the, the, the pack master or something like that, that then has all these subclasses of real animals and fantastic animals and Pokemon animals and whatever you want to get into at that point. Um, I think it'd be really cool because they are my favorite too. Like when I play an MMO online in a computer game, I always gravitate to the pet classes. I always want to play them because I'm a collector of those little things. I love going around and collecting the new ones and getting the cool companions to run around with me while I'm doing my quests and doing my things. And I, and I think that's a valid play style that lots of people like to would like to try. I'd like the whole game to everybody have a pet. Let's, let's all have because <laughs> everybody wants to run around with like Griffins as their mounts. And like, when you think of Epic D and D, that's what you think about, right? You think about these cool, things that you got are like, um, uh, the waffle crew has a pet owl bear, which yeah. I just, I always bring up because I think it's really cool that they have something like that in a DD world. You would have somebody that has something like that, or the bad guys always seem to have a pet dragon to send after you. How come the players can't get a pet dragon? <laughs> Right. You know, it's just, so, so um, I think it's
0: pretty good. Yeah, no, uh, gosh, I had a thought. Oh, uh, wasn't it the unearthed arcana where they had the puppet master bard? And they had, like, a little puppet that could, like, walk around and do stuff for them. I was all about that. I'm like, Damn. I want to play a Puppet Master Bard so bad and have, like, Damn. a little... And then you could also... Or maybe this was a homebrew that I was reading. I can't remember. But, like, I just remember you could control your puppet or you could send out these invisible strings and try to control other players or enemy players and, like, make them walk certain directions or things like that. It was it was a really neat idea for a class and i was hoping that it would become more i think it was an iron kind of i don't know
1: that would be a cool kind of puppet master character would be super cool maybe it was too much like
0: naruto but i really like the idea of it
1: (laughs) yeah oh god i've been watching so much of that right now that my brain is all about that because i just started i had never seen it before and i've just uh, binged watch seasons one through six of it. So now I want to do D and D versions of it. All over <laughs> <this>. <laughs> that sounds
0: awesome. So uh, the other thing news wise. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Um, I did. I walked into my game store, shout out to my local game store of fanfare, uh, to get all of my gaming accessories and cool stuff. And I placed my order for my Guildmasters guide to Ravnica. I did ask them there if it was going to have an alternate cover and they said there was something about a pre-order. So they think this one's going to have a, a an alternate cover. And the only reason that I was wondering is because when I went and bought dragon heist, they released that one with no alternate cover. So yeah. it was weird to me because I was getting they haven't advertised books. an alternate cover for Ravnica. So, so there might not be one, yeah. but I, I told them I wanted it if it was coming to the stores first, because you can get your book in the, the, mortar and brick stores, usually several days before it goes to Amazon, if that's the way you're ordering it. So as a way to promote, you know, your game stores and your, and your local hobby. So I always go to that game store and I always put it in and then I, um, I try to get it. And if you do that, sometimes you can get the alternate covers, whereas you can't get them supposedly, uh, typically anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they, we'll see. I have my book on order. I'm not doing Dungeon of the Mad Mage because I want to get that on Roll20. We talked about that a little bit last week because I want to have it so that I can run it eventually. I want to be able to run the modern-day Mega Dungeon. I'm looking forward to that. And then news-wise, the only other thing um, is Gamehole Con is next weekend, and I'm going to be there, and we're going to try to see if we can do something. And there's a bunch of D&D people there. Like, I was looking online... Uh, I think I'm going to get into a, a Mike Merle's game. Oh, nice. I'm trying. I'm seeing. Uh, it does a weird thing about pre-ordering tickets, but beyond that, I'm going to be there. And uh, Perkins and Merle's and uh, all, most of the D&D people, Kate Welch, uh, Satine, uh, Rudy's going to be there. Um, trying to think where, of... James where is Game GameholeCon? Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. So... It's uh, kind of the home of, sometimes I think the the home of D&D is, is considered to be Wisconsin, where Gary Gygax had yeah. had lived and the company was. So it always gets, I think, a pretty good D&D showing. But I'm, so I'm going to go there. But I know uh, Monty Cook and all of them were bringing their games there. They're running games there. They're doing some live games there. I think some of the, can't remember if some of the Critters were going to be there or not, if Critical Role had some people going. But when I was looking at the list, it was definitely a nice big list of um, people going i think nerdarchy is going to be there and i also think WebDM said they were showing up so cool. it might be cool we'll see some of those guys when we get there too well so, talk to hopefully. all those
0: guys yeah, mike hopefully. merles everybody and see if uh they want to be guests on a certain saturday morning DD show that airs saturday Definitely. mornings so
1: <laughs> maybe we can get them to come on the show um and the cartoon could sponsor us we could yeah. go on right before the cartoons oh yeah yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> no super mm-hmm. fun um man i want to go i had somebody ask me if i was going to pax unplugged and uh i just i live on the opposite side of where all this cool stuff is happening Um, but you would think more of it would happen on the west coast because of uh wizards of the coast is on the west coast but instead it's like no we're gonna go to uh gen con and pax unplugged is gonna be in pennsylvania and this one's gonna be in wisconsin and i'm like it's so far away
1: yeah, you get all the early ones because you get normal packs and yeah. then you get um, TwitchCon was right over there near oh, Seattle at this point. No, TwitchCon Twitch. was in
0: California, I think. Uh, oh, did
1: they move it? Usually I, it's up north. I want to say it that
0: it was in San Jose or San something. I can't remember. Nah. I oh, didn't it, pay it, attention other than my right. entire Twitter feed was on was <laughs> at uh, TwitchCon and it was crazy. So they had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, Lucian. Did you play any games this week? What's going on with your games?
1: Uh, We played some games Uh, Monday night. Our crew ran through um, some more of the Seeking Revenor Mega Campaign, Westmarch's game I'm playing. It was pretty fun. Uh, They went through a town, uh, or they went back to the Black Pyramid um, fighting some creatures that really originate from AD&D, the first, or basically, Early edition uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and that I've converted for fifth edition, and they did pretty good. They fought a really nice epic battle, and then they used a town scroll portal kind of Diablo-esque style to go back home. They all made third level, which is cool. So they're the highest level of the characters at this point in the campaign. So it's slowly moving on, which is perfect because I'm still waiting for my uh, Matt Covell's. Um, Strongholds and Followers book, which I wanted to use in this campaign. But since it's not out yet, they can't use any of that stuff. But that's okay because they're only third level. And most of that stuff is going to be like when they're around eighth, ninth, and 10th yeah. level when they decide to build a keep or something like that. So that's working out. And I'm enjoying that. The one new thing that I'm thinking about that I'm going to add to my Revenor campaign, this is what's going to get all confusing, is I'm going to add a dab of Ravnica. To Ravnor, <laughs> so I, I'm going to put a place there where the two worlds overlap. So I'm not going to necessarily make uh, a campaign okay. for Ravnica, but there's going to be an area that somehow the dimensions are, or the 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 split between the dimensions, or however I come up with it, physics wise. Um, there's this gap there where a part of Ravnica exists in Revenor that you can get to and interact with. And maybe it's almost like a doorway back and forth between the two. And I think that'll be a cool way for me to incorporate that book that I've been super excited about. And we already have a Loxodon in our campaign and there's no backstory as how in the world did a even get to the forgotten realms at this point so we're going to be able to add some of that in and i i'm just excited about being able to add all these really fantastic things into the campaign so that was super fun uh, pretty fun game they're going to go back again uh on monday night and uh continue to see how far they can get in this big black pyramid to see what's going on or who owns it or what's going on um tuesday night was my tomb of annihilation my adventure league game this is season eight now rules that we're using my character is a barbarian who's seventh level i'm playing in it not the dm anarsis is the dm and runs a great game for us with anarsis and pb and noctua and uh we're we constantly are getting in fights that we're nearly dying and tpking every time but we always seem to pull it out right at the end. And the one interesting thing that happened in this that I thought we would talk about a little bit were Sioux monsters. Have you fought any Sioux monsters in your campaign yet? What, no, I don't even know you'd what a Sioux monster is. Right, you're going to have to look it up at some point. It's kind of like a demonic looking monkey, right? And it's they're nasty creatures that appeared off of an altar and attacked us because we had to show our worthiness to get something. Um, And to fight these things. So we were going to fight them. Well, they have an ability that is like a a stunning gaze kind of ability that if you don't make a DC 11 check, you're stunned for a minute. So let's get this for a second. Do you (laughs) get to repeat
0: saves or are you just stunned? Okay.
1: Yes. But (coughs) being damaged does not pull you out of being stunned. Oh, okay. So five of these creatures popped up. The first one stuns the guy who's right in front of him. And then immediately the other four just start wailing on my character. The only good thing about this is I'm a barbarian, and I think my hit points are up to 75 at this point at level 7. Just really good hit point. And I wasn't even raging yet because it hit me before I raged, which is obviously always the problem of the barbarian, is that I get hit before I'm raged. And I got stunlocked in a D&D game, and to me... It's one of those areas where a player can get start to get salty super quick with what's going on when round after round and I failed like 3 or 4 of these rounds. I failed and I couldn't do a thing. Like I you can make it at the end of your turn. So your your turn goes all the way through and then at the end of that turn you're allowed to make another DC check to see if you if you pass it. And I got I got nailed, and it was crazy. <laughs> so stun lock, um, and it's one of those words that nobody likes in, uh, in computer games. And um, if you're if you're talking about competitive online games where you have this ability to stun another player, that's mm-hmm. always a contentious point for how long it happens and can it happen over and over and over as their diminishing effects. Because it wasn't even here's the other thing is like a lot of those things say once you've made the save this thing can't happen to you again for another 24 hours right Right. there's lots that this apparently didn't have that written in there so not only would the first one fail but then i would i would make the first one then the second one would hit me i would make it the third one would hit me i would make my roll but by the fourth one you're not making four of those rolls in a row i get stunned you know and it was just over and over and over um, so taking away that player agency, have you ever had that happen in your campaign or would you have done it as a DM? Would you target a single player? You have four creatures that can stun. Do you keep trying to get the same one? Do you spread it around? I think it depends on how intelligent I want to
0: make the the monsters. So if there's very much like I, we need to take out the barbarian because he's going to do the most damage, I would probably direct a lot of the stunts to that. But uh, in situations like that in the past, I've rolled randomly. You know, it's like I've got four players. I roll a d4. Sorry, you're getting hit. You know, and and roll it like that just to just to randomize it and to keep it fair so that if something terrible does happen, the players don't necessarily say, Jordan, you're being a little too, you know, evil with us. And it's like, it's all just dice rolls guys. Like I'm rolling out in the open here. So.
1: Yeah, that's, and I think I, I would, I try to make a pretty conscious effort not to, I try to play the, like you said, you play the character as smart as you think they would be. You would do the things you think they do but I'm not necessarily saying uh, how do I beat my players using this? Like, cause I could try to find a way to go. Okay. I know their hardest hitting person is the wizard in the back. I'm just going to make sure I melt him first with everything I've got. And then my creatures are going to turn on their cleric and make sure they melt the cleric down. Just ignore the fighter that's hitting them or the, you know, whatever. Right. Because I know what their party weaknesses are and somehow the creatures then know what our party weaknesses are or you know what's going on too so i try to stay away from that a little bit but i think it's one of those things where you've got to be super careful and i'm glad there's not a lot of places for this to happen but i was surprised when it didn't have the blurb in the in the message for the creature that it said once you make one of these roles you can't be stunned again for a yeah. certain amount of time that surprises me that it could happen round after round, four and five of these things just just hitting and hitting and hitting. And it felt very targeted, you know, as the person receiving it it was like, oh, I'm just, what's going on? And you're, so in that battle, let's say that battle lasts for an hour and a half of your game time. That meant for an hour and a half of the game time, I wasn't able to do anything
0: because Mm -hmm. of the
1: way the rules were written. And that's, I think, one thing you never want to happen in your campaign even if it's yes that's how the rules read or even that's how it should be your character should always be able to try to do something or interact they shouldn't be at the table for an hour and a half not being able to do anything at all like you yeah. have to avoid that as much as possible um and i think he's just doing a uh, nurse is doing a really good job of playing tomb of annihilation the way it's set up and the way that it's reads and the way that you know is presented and trying to give us a challenge which is i i get it because you have characters that are all of a sudden, you know, seventh and eighth level, and it seems like they're unstoppable and they're almost like superhero. Um, So you have to kind of go to those extremes to really challenge them at times, just like the frog, the frog hemoth fight and all these other things that we've had. They're big fights. In fact, earlier in that session, at some point I get hit with an arrow from some creature that's in uh, this place that we have, I'm trying not to spoil too much. And somehow it does... 127 points of damage from a single arrow and i'm like and so my barbarian who has 75 hit points goes down i'm just like man this just seems like it's perfectly suited for taking my character down what is going on here that Um, is funny not that it killed the party but all of a sudden you just get one hit and you're like okay you're down okay let's let the rest of the session go
0: (laughs) well and so talking about I don't know, playing, playing a creature's tactics or something like, I guess a a creature or these, these, uh, these things that stun you, they don't know the party's capabilities. So again, I would, I would play it like if they saw the bard use healing word and and get somebody up, then I would be like, they know that that bard can do that. We need to take out the bard before we can kill the rest of these guys permanently and have them like gang up on the bard or, or I don't know, run away. I've been reading a lot of dungeon crawl classics lately and they have a morale, uh, function or a morale. What's the word I'm looking for? I'm so sick. My brain is not working, but they have morale. So if a bunch of creatures die or they get to half hit points, you roll to see what their morale is. And if their morale is bad, they run away from the battle because they know it's a losing battle. They won't fight to the death.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and you could use a similar thing with monsters in fifth edition, uh, In that same category, like how intelligent are they? How are they like, you know, attacking the players and stuff, but they also don't know the players capabilities, which makes big, bad end guys that kind of show up, attack the party and run away makes them really, really a difficult challenge. Uh, the third time they meet because they know like I'm gonna kill this cleric and then I'm gonna go after this barbarian and I'm only gonna use magic on the barbarian and not physical attacks because he's raging and I'm gonna do X, y and z. Like that that makes for a really interesting encounter, I think. so.
1: yeah, and I like I like that setup of it and I think and I encourage the the, the game masters and dungeon masters out there that are listening to use that idea of once the players show what they can do, then reacting to it intelligently would be obviously be something they do, but try to corral yourself. If you get that surprise round with your creatures and you have all six of them to be doing things that you might not know this party's already capable of. Like you don't know what these, this weird mix of people standing in front of you are ready to do Mm -hmm. except for your own DM kind of metagame knowledge. And really it comes down to in a way it's the metagaming Discussion, but it's happening on the DM side of it because the DM has more knowledge than the creatures actually would. Yeah, and sometimes because we want to challenge our parties or we want to have a good hard encounter, we use some of that knowledge. But and sometimes they meta game too. And I mean, if you got a, this, that's like a huge can of worms to open when you start talking about the meta game discussion. What's good? What's bad? Yeah, what can you know? That's that's like a full show on its own. Um, But it starts to get into that, that metagaming is not only from a player standpoint, but it can also be from a DM standpoint. So you want to be really careful, I think, about your style of playing. So just at least think about it, where you're coming from with it. And I like the way Jordan presented it as far as, you know, if, if the players show their strengths and their weaknesses, then having creatures act on those is great. But if they haven't shown any of that stuff yet, you know. Maybe those creatures, I like the idea, and I do the same thing with the roll. Like we had um, arrows shooting out, uh, they, they, the creatures ran down some stairs to get away from where the players were, and they were just gonna lob arrows up at disadvantage, couldn't really see, but they wanted to l- lob a wave of arrows up to keep the players from just running down and getting to them. And so instead of me saying, okay, well, I'm just gonna use disadvantage and all the arrows are going at the Paladin, or this person that's the, you know, the lowest hit points, just in case I hit one and I can take one down. The reality is I just rolled a dice to say who did this go after, you know, who is the person that's gonna make the AC that I'm gonna use for mm-hmm. when this arrow comes flying at you. And that way, like you said, it was it's not me, it's the dice if all hell breaks loose <laughs> and the healer goes down and everybody dies. And it was like, no, it was the dice. That was all random. I did the same thing with the ghost when it took possession of characters. Because the ghost can incorporate itself inside the player and the only way to get it out is to put that player down. So instead of me strategically picking who I should do, I rolled dice to say who's the next person that's gonna go after is, you know, and maybe the person that's closest has a little has like a one and a two on a D6, but maybe the people that are further away have the three, four, five, and six, and then I roll it. And then I'm like, okay, well, I rolled a two, so it's going after the cleric. You guys are gonna have to kill your own cleric to get the ghost out of them, type thing. And that's what happened actually. But it was nice that they knew it wasn't just me. Just like, okay, I'm gonna get your cleric, I'm gonna get your healer, and then I'm gonna come after the rest of you guys. It was like, it was just the ghost doing its ghost things.
0: So. As a dungeon master, I love that because <laughs> I, I because I don't know. Like, there's a certain sense of guilt when you kill a player yeah. or when you are putting them in an unfavorable situation. Like. Uh, My players fought a, and this is from Tome of Beasts, I think, but it's called a Horde Golem. And it's basically a big treasure pile golem. And as they attack them, it strips away magic items from them. Like there's, they they roll and there's a chance that they didn't hold onto their magic sword because the golem is like absorbing magic items into it. And as a dungeon master, I'm like, that's really mean to take away this advantage (laughs) that they've had. But when I can just say like, no, it's, it's part of the monster and you guys roll randomly to see if it, you know, and it's, it's attacking you. Then all of a sudden my players are just like, Oh, okay. It's the dice, you know, Jordan, Jordan. Yes. Jordan threw this monster at us, but at the same time, it's, it's the dice. It's not him. And I, I, I feel so much better as a dungeon master being able to, I guess, like, blame the dice and not me. Yes. Like, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think why like death saves, is was a good thing where the players get to roll the death saves because then it becomes that idea that maybe your character goes down because of something that I did as a, as a DM, but you have your three death saves and if you make them, you're back up. If you roll a 20 in any one of them, you're up and fighting. If you roll high enough, you stabilize and you don't die. And if you roll three really bad ones, well, It was on you. You had some chances there. Yeah. Your party had some chances to get you back up. And if they didn't, that's on the party of you dying. It's no longer it was on the DM that killed you. It was, my party didn't get, why didn't the cleric cast healing word on me for three (laughs) rounds? I had to make the, you know, it's just that. Then it's all over on them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, well, and th- so this is another conversation point, I guess, like, uh, Matt Colville did a video on l- killing PCs yeah, let's and, go PC. um, he was saying basically it's unsportsmanlike to attack a player that is unconscious because an unconscious player, if you attack them, they take damage and it's an automatic death saving throw failure. Yeah. So is there a situation where you would do that? Like other than like I cast a fireball or something like, would you pull punches to be like, well, I don't want to give them another excuse to, or another like, let's roll this. But, but from a monster perspective, it kind of makes sense to be like, I want to finish this guy off. And I've always, I've always struggled with that, I guess, because it does feel unsportsmanlike because you want them to have their three chances to get up. Um, To me,
1: the character going unconscious to all of the creatures in my world has the exact appearance of death to them. They assume they've killed that character when it happens. Right. Um, so at that point, I always have my creatures turn and then begin to engage the rest of the dangers of whatever's going on. I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think there's a time where I've put a character down and then said, well, you know the guy decides to step on your throat yeah <laughs> cuz he knows you're still breathing he picks up your he head and does and one of these snaps your <laughs> yeah.
0: neck just to just to make sure you know
1: yeah i don't think i've done it now could a very bad super villain guy do it and because i really wanted to get to my players maybe but oh it would be i would have to make sure that i knew my group could handle it and it would have to be with a player, like I could probably do it with Greybeard from my, my group, and you've played with Greybeard before. He would probably let me get away with it without hating my guts for the rest of you know the rest <laughs> of eternity. But not all players are gonna let that happen. And I don't ever want a game of DD to stop one of my really good friendships over. Like if I just put a, a stake through PB's heart or I put a stake through Jordan's heart. They might not want to play games with me anymore because, you know, I, I went after them like that. The only person I think I could get away with it would be Greybeard. So I guess if maybe I had a villain that really wanted to do a gut punch to the party and I had them not only put Greybeard's character down, then pick him up like you said and said, snap the neck in front of everybody and be like, that's it. That was your last death save, Greybeard. You don't get it. He's probably the only one that I think could handle it. But I'd have to be super careful with who I did that with.
0: And you're right. Like a pack of wolves are not going to sit there and they're going to go after the next threat. This guy's no longer a threat. He's down. I'm going to go after the next person. That's a threat. But you're right. If you wanted to make a villain like stand out a whole bunch, that would be pretty epic to like raise this. Like he's got one death saving throw left and the the villain holds him up by the neck and then runs a sword through him to finish him off for good. Um, but that's no different than a villain using like a disintegrate ray which if you get to zero hit points being hit by the disintegrate spell uh, you're gone you know and yep. so that beholder just killed you outright more or less you you forfeit all of your death saving throws so
1: yeah indoor adventure asked about what about massive damage that happens to a character that was already low so maybe they're down to like one point right and then all of a sudden they get hit by like a 30 point something it's funny that it has never come up in my game that we've had to use the massive damage rule to outright kill a character um yeah i've never for had whatever that reason even like
0: level one or twos up. i've never seen that you
1: yeah know? it's never popped up i i'm fully prepared to use the rule if it does in answer to your question but um at this point it's never come up in any of the campaigns where one of the characters received because I think it's like more than half of what your maximum damage would have been um in that fight that or in that hit that puts you down so like if you're a uh, if you're it would I don't know it just it seems like we've done the math and it never happened the first time we had to do the math that I've ever seen I wasn't the dm but was when my barbarian got hit by the 124 damage arrow mm-hmm. and we were looking at my hit points where at 75. And we went to the rule to see. Wait a minute! Did I just get killed outright by a single arrow, one shot? Didn't see it. And we're like, No! I went unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, thank God! I got to make my death saves.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, it's crazy.
1: Oh, LB. So LB, it happened in your water deep game. Oh no! To LB, that's funny. She she can handle it because she likes making characters. But I could see it <laughs> being a big, a tough thing because. That's a lot of damage for somebody to take all at once while they're already down. But, you know, like you said, if somebody's unconscious and a fireball hits the room, that's going to be pretty significant. Somebody's might not come out. So... I thought that was the the big thing off the tuesday game that i knew we could have a really good discussion about was not only the stun lock but the idea of taking away that player agency and being careful about how you run your character so i knew it would be something good that we'd get a lot of good discussion with and you guys are doing great in chat definitely for you youtubers and twitch people that if you watch it after the fact and you go to YouTube and you watch the video to put it down then in the comments, what you think about how you run it too, because we're always learning. We're always, you know, checking in with all of our other game masters and dungeon masters out there to help us figure out how we do stuff too.
0: Yeah. And Lucian and I are really active in the comments. So, uh, yeah, you can totally shoot us a message and we'll read it and respond 100%. Yeah.
1: And so finishing off my week of, uh, on Friday, I did get to do some proofreading of of the very cool adventure that all of you are going to get to play, or at least if you want to play, you're going to be able to see at some point, but I'll let um, our special guest author talk about that in just a moment. And then Saturday today, I think after this show, at some point today, I am going to make a video that's thanking all of the subscribers to my YouTube channel, which I just made the 500 subscriber limit, which was super cool, and I think I was just going to make a nice, fun video for that um, to, you know, Every, I think everybody says thank you to their community and I think it's a really cool thing to acknowledge that people come to your channel and are willing to watch yeah. and do some stuff just like all these people here in chat which was super cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So that is my week. Now next week I am all over the place so it's going to have a really weird schedule. Um, so just stay tuned on Twitter for what we're going to try to do for next Saturday's show and see if we can actually pull it off um, keep an eye out for that. We're going to do some yeah. testing. Might
0: be a do. solo show. Might be Jordan finds a guest show, or it might be a uh, Lucian live from a convention. And we, I think that's the best option, but we have to make sure the yeah. technology will hold up for that. So,
1: yeah. Um, So what did um, Jordan do? (coughs) sounds like he's sick. So we knew he got sick from somewhere this week, but what did Jordan do this week in role-playing games? Well, I
0: had to cancel hot springs game because I was like super sick and I'm really sad about it because like D and D makes me happy. And I was just sitting there. I think I was watching your game because your games on Tuesday night. And so yeah. I was home watching your game because I'm just like, well, I can't play Hot Springs Island. I guess I'll just watch Lucian play his games. And I'm like, oh, looks like he's having a lot of fun. Cough, hack, wheeze. Wish I was playing D&D. Downvote.
1: Downvote. Down
0: <laughs> <laughs> Be that awful guy in the comments. Like, what? Um, no, uh, kind of on the coattails of what you were talking about. And I, I want to put a disclaimer out because... Uh, Nathan, I believe, is watching right now, and he is one of my Hot Springs Island players, and he also runs a game on Sunday that I occasionally play in when my other Sunday game can't meet, Um, so basically an extra weekend game that we try to fit in, um, and he's running a homebrew campaign, and he's doing a fantastic job, and I'm having so much fun, I'm playing a Warforged uh, Eldritch Knight and I've kind of rethemed all of my spells to be like robot-y things. So when he casts Featherfall, that's actually like vents coming out and slowing his descent, you know. And and when he does a, a bunch of other spells, it's all kind of like themed robot-wise. And we're having a lot of fun with it. But uh, he made an off comment one day where he was just... Because my my guy has an AC of 21, my uh, my fighter. And he made a comment one day. He's like, I think I figured out how to get past your AC. And it got me thinking, like, do you... With your players, uh, try to and it's, this is kind of on the topic of what we were already talking about. But like, do you with your players like try to exploit their weakness or let them succeed at the build that they're trying to do? So we'll use my AC for an example. Like, do you throw monsters at him where he gets to utilize his high AC and he gets to come away from the table feeling, look at this, like I did, I was so awesome. Nobody hit me or like four people hit me, but I have such a high AC. Or do you do the opposite and you make make your, your high AC character make nothing but deck saving throws so that he's able to, uh, you know, like fail basically. And I don't know if that's like,
1: I don't know I have a whole pack of those players playing my game right now so <laughs> I have the the full-on min maxers in my campaign so I have to um, I tell myself just to play it the way it is because I'll tell you the way they they've been doing it like um we have a elven blade singer whose AC gets up to something like 22 ridiculously oh yeah. And then, uses his first level spell slots for shield for anything that does get through and casts like mirror image. And it's just like a ton of this stuff that I go through round after round after round of not hitting a character at all because their ACs are ridiculously high the way they've, um, they've got it. And I have to tell myself not to try to come up with ways to do it. Now I do at times when I'm crafting certain encounters that i think hey it'd be cool to do some of these encounters i look for things that are going to challenge the party in a way that they haven't been challenged before if definitely example if they have a lot of high ac in the party i may start looking for a ghost creature or something that mitigates a little bit of that for them to feel in danger at least that one time but i also tend to then throw two or three of the next encounters our normal encounters that mm-hmm. yeah their build is perfect for negating like they are perfect for stopping an orc warband rush or whatever it is mm-hmm. and they need some of those to feel that that's working and then i try to throw in one every now and then that's like oh you guys are really super good at this but all of you need to make wisdom saving throws because right. this is the next thing that's about to happen type thing so yeah i like to throw in a little bit of that to keep them on their toes but I think it's okay for them to come up with really cool builds and really powerful builds to make their way through this world that they're in because i think that's what they would do and that's how they feel powerful and that's how they can do some cool things and then i intersperse some stuff in there to keep them feeling the danger feeling the edge of oh at any moment this still could yeah. go sideways even though i found a way to get my ac to 25 at level three you know or whatever it might be
0: and i guess that's the thing it's a, it's a healthy balance you know and then players feel because you don't want him to get overconfident that totally makes sense um and then i i'll just use an example for example in the last game that i played with uh nathan my dm uh we fought some goblins that weren't gob i think it's goblin spelled backwards nilbog um That is true. And they have uh, an ability, and I don't remember what book this is from, maybe it's from Volo's Guide to Monsters, but uh, they have an ability where you have to make a charisma saving throw before you're allowed to actually attack them, um, because they can, like, charm you, and I, granted, it was a mixture of, Jordan has a low charisma, and also he uh, was rolling very poorly, um, but yeah, that, two bad things. Two bad yeah. things. But the mixture of that, we played for three and a half, maybe four hours, the entire game session. I didn't hit one creature in all of the fights that we had. So it was one of those things like I cast a spell, I cast a thunder wave, and I did some damage with thunder wave. But like other than that, I didn't, I didn't land a single hit. And I remember leaving like I was okay. I was like, oh whatever. But I remember leaving kind of disappointed that I'm like I didn't even hit anything. Like I've got yeah. this brand new sword and I didn't hit anything with my brand new sword. But
1: and my thing is hitting like that's that's the thing that's, I should yeah. be doing is hitting and I didn't do any of it. Yeah. And so
0: it was one of those situations where I'm like, because of the monsters he chose and my bad luck, I wasn't able to kind of like utilize what my character is supposed to do. So uh, and it happens at every table, but it was it was just an interesting feeling of like being on the player side of it cuz i've been on the dungeon yeah. master side of it where i'm just like oh my gosh my this monk is stunning every monster that i put at him all right the next 3 monsters are going to be immune to stun because i am so tired yeah. of this being I'm tired, like, of the monk. tired of them just like destroying everything by stunning the boss and then they all gang up at like ants on sugar and just destroy him because they have advantage uh, yeah, anyway yeah that's another story but Um, So it was weird being on the player side of it where I'm just like, okay, I see what he's doing. Kind of sucks that I'm not able to hit anything. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, that is funny. And I think it's something that I think we all run into. um, The idea, especially when you have players that are trying to really optimize their characters and they get to a point where they found in the rules a way to mix a certain number of things together, whether it's feats and race abilities and classes that give this really ridiculously high um, AC combined with somehow they're giving the creature disadvantage and all of a sudden all your roles seem like they're not hit. Like that's what happened in the big fight that they had uh, last night on our Monday game is that they all have heavy armor and shields and stuff and they were all taking the dodge action So that they got disadvantaged and they formed a shield wall up in the front of a corridor (laughs) so nothing could get by them so they weren't fighting which was super smart it's what you should do and my creatures couldn't lay a finger on any of them (laughs) and it was just it was just an inevitable fight that you know went the wrong way so in that case they did the right job they chose the right area to fight they used their skills the best way they could and it all worked out but you know, the next time if they fight the rust monster or whatever it is, it's going to be very different for them because all of a sudden, you know, something else will happen. So I yeah. always like that higher level creatures usually have things to challenge the parties. That's different, or things that they didn't think about, or like you said, saves that they have to make um, that mess with just their raw c- fighting capability. And I think what's important is as a dungeon master or a game master is that you don't forget those abilities because me and you have had this conversation many times where we've had a cool creature encounter set up it goes through it doesn't go through the way we thought it would we go back and look because at the time we were busy we're running the game and we totally missed a paragraph that said oh wait a minute they've got three legendary actions or oh wait they can pass two of their saves anytime they you know because we just miss a little blurb somewhere where that fight could have been totally different had we really been aware of the creature we were about to yeah. use and, and try to use it. And we've talked about that quite a bit. And so as our our recommendation, even from that other discussion was, you know, definitely try to anticipate how to use those creatures in the encounter. Not just how to use them against your party as if this thing knows exactly how to beat this one party but just so that you're using all the abilities to its fullest potential so that the encounter creature runs and feels like you know the the beholder actually plays like a beholder would it's casting the spells disintegrate things are going off uh it's making saves due to legendary actions or whatever it might be you know because it's your super boss or whatever you know that it really plays in that epic kind of uh, a fight scene
0: yeah yeah, good discussion. Um, I think with uh, just to summarize, but I think like with everything, it's it's finding that healthy balance, and and we we basically have been saying that over and over again. Uh, but yeah, before we go, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about other things that are happening in my life. Uh, one is I have this book here, *Mutant Crawl Classics*. Um, And I have two of these because my wife and my parents decided to not talk to each other about what they were getting me for my birthday. So I have two copies of this, which means I'm going to give one of them away. So if you are a patron on my Patreon, uh, within the next week, I'm going to put everybody in an Excel spreadsheet. I'm going to roll some dice and I'm going to take one winner and I will mail them a copy of Mutant Crawl Classics. So not that I'm Fishing for patrons or anything but i wanted to have a thank you to my patrons on patreon for supporting me and for supporting forgotten realms explained and the saturday morning DD show so i want to say thank you guys so be on the lookout for that and then uh lucian was talking about it earlier uh that he read a really cool adventure i i wrote a one shot um and i wrote this one shot probably like six or seven months ago it's been a long time uh but i'm just now getting into the The process of formatting it and making it look nice, but it's called Dragon on the Mount and I've given it out to Lucian and uh, Nathan and a couple of other people to kind of like peruse and give me feedback on. I'm actually going to run it again this Thursday for a group of players on Roll20 so I can get even more feedback, but uh, I'm going to put it up on the DMs Guild and I think, I don't know, maybe I'll charge a dollar 50 cents or something like that, pay what you want, I haven't decided yet, but be on the lookout for that and then you guys can take that adventure and run it and it's just it's really fun. Lucian, I ran Lucian through it and a bunch of uh indoor adventure I think went through it. And wow. uh we had a lot of fun and it's just about a group of explor adventurers were hired to take care of a dragon that is terrorizing the town of Longsaddle in the Forgotten Realms. So, uh it should be really fun. And this has been a really creative and new experience for me of writing a, a one-shot or, or I've written a lot of one-shots and I've written a lot of adventures, but to actually put it into a uh format that is digestible for other people like for other people to take and use so i'm excited for i don't know just people to run this adventure and and be like that was really cool so uh yeah yeah yeah.
1: and proofreading it was super fun and just even in playing it we had a lot of talks about after the fact um that generated a lot of good talks about what do yeah. you think of this part? What do you think of pacing? What do you think of this? And and it was really fun to go through. We had a great group. And it was one of those things that really inspired me to say, you know, I want to do that same thing too. Yeah. And um, I can't wait till we do some of that. So I want to see more of that. And you guys should definitely go check it out.
0: Yep. Um, and then other than that, I've been reading so much Dungeon Crawl Classics because I have got a Dungeon Crawl Classics game coming up this November at some point with the original crew that I ran through and I'm going to try and record that session I think Um, just like my kids on bike session I'm going to try and record that and put it up on the dungeon uh, uh, the Saturday morning D&D show YouTube channel thank you Jordan for the words that are coming out of your mouth Um, and so if you guys are interested in dungeon crawl classics or just alternate not alternate versions of D&D, but like another tabletop RPG system that's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, but cranked up to 11. Uh, I definitely recommend that you guys check that out. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. Thank you for our YouTubers that are watching us. Um, it's really great to have you guys out here and we're going to try and probably stream on both channels again to kind of diversify and get more people to watch. So that should be awesome. Uh, anything else? Final thoughts, sir?
1: the word out there. Uh, we're glad to see so many people coming back to the shows. Definitely get in those comments and talk with us in those comments because we enjoy keeping the discussion going and trying to tackle stuff and that always helps everybody else. So can't wait till our next show. I'm really hoping option a works for next week. Cause I think it will be super fun and fantastic for you guys to see. And uh, I can't wait till we keep doing more stuff.
0: Yep. And for those of you on YouTube, I hit the wrong button at the exactly wrong time. So sorry about transitioning to the uh, end of the cho- show early, <laughs> but we're back. <laughs> um yeah thank you guys so much for coming out uh sharing these videos with a friend and uh, we just love it so uh we have fun with the show every week and we're excited that you guys have fun with the show every week um and with that we will see you next week for another episode of the saturday morning DD show a possibly special episode live from what is it called game Game Hole con. Game hole con, Of all the names <laughs> yeah. for a con. Yeah. But there you go. Uh, <laughs> thanks again, everybody. And we will see you in the next episode of the Saturday Morning DD Show. Goodbye. <laughs> Our intro and outro music is 8 Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.